Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, how are you this this happy morning? No reply, because Kieran's not here. It it turns out there just aren't enough hours in the day for Kieran to fit everything in. Um, Either that or the Baroness has put her foot down. What Kieran really needs is that little gadget gizmo thing that Hermione has in Harry Potter where she can literally do a share and turn back time and then he could fit these interviews in. But he's got he's got his day job plus his media commitments, uh, so he's not here. So today is a special interview pod and it's just me doing the interviewing. Um, we promised you an update on everything that's happening at Torquay United and we wanted to get a Torquay United fan's perspective rather than somebody who's decided to sell the club for no apparent reason. So we spoke to, I spoke to, that's habit, isn't it? We spoke to, I spoke to Robin Causley, who's the vice chair and the longest serving board member of the Torquay United Supporters Trust. And this is what he had to say. Robin, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Unfortunately, like many people we interview, I really wish we weren't having to interview you. But before we get into what's happening with your club, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a Torquay fan and how you got involved with the Supporters Trust. Okay, so I'm my birthday coming the end of March and I will be celebrating uh, my 60th year of supporting the club. So my dad oh. sort of took me around my birthday time. So very long uh, standing supporter and uh, my father was a, a supporter before me. He supported them sort of just after the war and um, my one of my sons is a keen supporter as well so we've got three generations currently who uh, uh, in the past have uh, supported the club um lifelong supporter then uh season ticket holder i became vice chair of the trust um about uh 11 12 years ago now and uh the reason that i was invited to do that was because um, of my community links. I worked in community development and working in uh, supporting voluntary sector organisations with funding advice and my our chairman was very keen to get get our trust very involved in the community and, and building those links. And just for our very many overseas listeners, Robin, can you tell us a little bit about the club, the history of the club and about the area where you are? 
Yeah, so Torbay is, uh, is the area in which Torquay is situated. Torquay's biggest town, the best known town, but there's also Paynton and Brixham from where our support comes from. And that's a population of circa 140,000, so not a small area. Um, does rely all, an awful lot on tourism, which has, you know, been declined in this country for a number yeah. of years. And so it's got all the attendant problems around low wages, the economy being very much based around tourism and a declining, uh, declining industry uh, and struggling like a lot of seaside resorts. Nonetheless, still a very popular destination, a very well-known destination, popular, but just very weather-dependent and um, uh, struggling post-COVID to get people back, I think, uh, to come and stay. Uh, but still, uh, English Riviera, uh, everybody loves it, including football fans. It's one of their favourite destinations from the way trip. I remember going to Brixham as a five-year-old, little South Londoner on a school journey. It was the first time I'd been out of London. It was it was amazing. And, and wow. just yeah. just briefly tell us as well um, what league you're in at the moment and, and what your sort of average home attendance would be. Um, so we're in the National League South, uh, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> we got uh, 3,700 3, on Saturday in response to the crisis that we were in. Um, but we've been averaging around 2,200, 2,300. So um, other than Yeovil, we get the best attendances in, in the league. Well, let's talk about the crisis, uh, Robin. Owner Clark Osborne announced last week that he could no longer fund the club. Was that a surprise or did you see it coming? Uh, we, we saw it coming. Um, it was still a bit of a surprise in, in terms of the fact that just recently we've been here hearing some quite positive messages emanating from the owner, um, but he had been conducting uh, new discussions with a council around the building of a new stadium and at a, a fans forum, which was an online fans forum, at which the owner was present. Uh, um, he sounded quite upbeat about the future and um, still wanting to build the stadium, which he, he promised he would deliver, and um, reiterating his commitment to the club for the future and not necessarily wanting to get his money back. So all of that looked reasonably positive. Um, I think quite a few fans uh, felt a little bit sceptical about it, but nonetheless, um, uh, given that ambition for a new stadium, uh, being pivotal to his plans and his ambitions to do it, um, it was a it was a bit of a shock. But he suddenly decided he you know those plans weren't going to progress. Talking about the stadium, Robin, I, I understand there was some initial um, opposition from Talkie fans, some reluctance when he first started talking about moving out of town. Is that not the case now? And is it something that you feel had to happen? It's more around scepticism because he's never actually built a stadium before. Um, so, um, and he's had, in fact, you know, didn't have a good record, in fact, of you know, uh, effectively um, closing down Eastfield, Bristol Rovers, and Bristol Rovers becoming homeless as a as a consequence, and his involvement with Speedway and Greyhound State um, operations and stadiums. And uh, again, you know, he's talked a lot about. Uh, building new stadiums on the existing sites or, or, or moving them. In the latest case with Swindon Speedway, um, talking about a motorsport um, arena uh, some 45 miles away from Swindon. 
Um, so I think there's a lot of scepticism about whether he could deliver. But I don't think Talking United fans were necessarily wholly against um, uh, the building the new stadium if a, su- a suitable venue could be found because the owner's proposition was we needed a seven-day week um, ex- um, income-generating operation uh, uh, to make the club sustainable. Uh, and Playmore was quite limited in that respect. And so he was talking about conference facilities and restaurants, you know, multi-arena facilities. So it was ambitious and we were sceptical, but we weren't, wouldn't say that the majority of fans are necessarily against it. It was just how how realistic it was, really, particularly in the current environment. And what was the attitude of the local council to all that? Because presumably Plainmore would have been sold off for housing purposes. No, a, the council were adamant that unless um, a stadium was actually built, there was no way they were going to relinquish their ownership of, of the council-owned there's a long lease on it, uh, there's covenants on it, uh, and they're adamant that no, 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 no relinquishing the ownership of that stadium unless a new stadium was built, and they've been steadfast on that. But they were encouraging, they were encouraging Osborne to find the stadium, were helping him do that. Um, one venue was identified, and there were quite a lot of problems around that, but they, I think, if Clark Osborne had come up with a you know, proper, robust proposition, um, backed with a you know a, a business plan and clear indication of the funding in place. Then the council would have supported it, but that, that wasn't the case. So just to be clear, Robin, because I really want to understand this, because in my research, I couldn't fully get to the bottom of it. So the the, the ground is owned partly by the council, or it's owned fully by the council, and there's. Uh, Club rent it on a long lease. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. It's, and a relatively low rent. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. It is the club actually in, in administration yet? Not yet. No. Um, uh, with, at the moment, uh, Clark Osborne has said he will. He's not continuing to put money into the club. He's relinquished his chairmanship, but is inviting uh, any interested parties to contact the club with a view to buying it off him. In general, what's the relationship been like between Mr Osborne and the Supporters' Trust? Uh, it, it, it has become very fractured. It's never been great um, because the club hasn't been great at communication, to say the least. We hardly ever heard from uh, Clark Osborne. Um, he didn't attend matches. All the business, day-to-day business and communication was done by his chief executive officer, George Edwards. Um, but he wasn't at all friendly towards the trust. And um, we uh, tried to set up regular meetings, tried to engage, tried to get them involved more in terms of communicating with the fans, with the fans forum, that kind of thing. Um, but it's only just recently with a lot of pressure being put um, on Clark Osborne and George Edwards and the anger about what was happening on the pitch that the club has, you know, started to open up lines of communication and, and show some signs of improving relationships with the club. It has become very fractured, undoubtedly. Do you know much about Mr Osborne's business background before he took over the club? When did he take over the club? 2016, yeah. Right. So Gaming International is involved in a range of activities, um, but a lot of it is around um, uh, the, the sort of Speedway, motorsport, greyhound racing, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and it appears to be um, 
quite a wealthy man. Um, and George Edwards, his CEO, also works on the various projects around those um, those stadium stadium development plans, etc. So um, there's a lot of business interest, but we we don't know a huge amount about the, the profitability of these things. But usually with the stadium um, development, there's housing involved, so yeah. uh, enabling usually some sort of enabling um, legislation is around to. And they enable him to build houses and then generate the sort of money that's, that would generate a profit for his company. Mm. What's been the reaction in the town, Robin, and how have fans of other clubs responded? Um, they're very worried, they're very concerned, uh, if not surprised. Uh, I think a lot of fans have seen it coming. The response has been very, very good. Um, as I say, we have a very large gate, though it's Officially announced, there's about 3,700. Lots of people bought ghost tickets, so we didn't actually attend. So we obviously we've got lots of exiles around the country in further afield. They were spending money on merchandise and on buying tickets, uh, even though they couldn't be there. Um, the club is doing a fundraising appeal, as is uh, is the trust, and that's bringing in quite a lot of money. Um, uh, the local authorities responded, the MPs responded, and they're all very, very keen to encourage um, buyers to come in who are interested, in, if they're seriously interested in football and they're interested in preserving Talk United as a football club, to get in contact with them. And uh, as I understand it, there's been quite a decent level of interest, um, so that's, which is encouraging. But uh, mm-hmm. the fans are certainly rallying around as has the football community, which uh, other trusts have been helping us. Weymouth, uh, particularly, um, we're very pleased with their offer. So we're playing away to them on Saturday, and they're offering to donate £5 of every adult ticket sold uh, to uh, uh, the Sporters Trust, which is a great gesture. Yeah, I was particularly heartened to see that from Weymouth, especially as the money's been offered to the Supporters Trust and not to the club. Yeah, which which yeah. shows it shows an understanding of where the problem is. Yeah. They've been in a difficult situation themselves, yeah. and obviously, you know, we've got that affinity with being a never seaside town. Um, they may very much value the support that Torquay bring to to their club. So, you know, we've got good away attendances, and we'll probably have uh, a bigger away attendance there now on Saturday, especially in the light of this, you know, this generous offer. Mm. You talk of interest in the club that you've heard of. Firstly, what's the asking price? What's Mr. Osborne wanting for the club? And do you well, know of any specific? So we're looking at loans of around circa five to six million that he's put into the club. Uh, all the indications are that you know he's not expecting to get much of that back, if any of it. I think he's very keen to get a, a quick acquisition um, and to get somebody in that's going to take on the club fairly quickly. And um, without necessarily um, getting a return on his investment. Mm. Uh, do you know of any specific potential bidders? One or two have been in, in contact uh, confidentially uh, with us, and we know others have been in contact directly with the club. Uh, so the administrators um, uh, in situ, as it were, are encouraging any potential serious interest, interested bidders to get in contact with us to have some some discussions around, you know, our potential involvement as well. So that's encouraging. And has there been any talk of a, a fan ownership bid? 
Well, I think that's one thing. I mean, one thing that we've been looking at is obviously uh, we don't know the exact details of the finances other than the club, uh, you know, are in, immediately asking for as much money and supporters as possible to pay um, the wages of the players uh, next month. So we know that there's an immediate cash flow issue. Um, but in terms of the exact financial state of the club and its ongoing costs, uh, in terms of running the club, we believe we're looking at around one and a half million per annum, you know, to stand still maybe just to keep the club going, operating at its current level. Uh, obviously, you know, that can be reduced or increased depending on the ambition and the, and the plan going forward. Um, but, but we're, you know, we're currently a full-time professional club with quite a, a, a number of employees other than players and uh, with quite a good infrastructure. So, um, it's it's not going to be the feasibility of us running it um, is, is 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 something we, we we're looking at, but uh, those sorts of costs would be prohibited for us certainly. Mm. But you'd certainly be interested in an owner that wanted the involvement of the supporters. Absolutely, we yeah. like want want them to engage with us and talk about it and see how we can uh, work with them to to move forward with the club and get away from this situation we've we've currently got, where we're you know fans are being ignored, um, you know, lack of tra- transparency, not much going on in relation to uh, work in the community, though it has improved recently. And um, all these things, uh, you know, we could be the added value to the club and we're, you know, we're there offering that help and support going forward to any new owner. There's two things I want to clarify, Robin, if I can, about the financial situation. Do you think, first of all, that the fact that you are a fully full-time squad at a relatively low level, if you don't mind me saying so, is part of the problem? Because that's a big chunk of cash there, having a full-time squad, isn't it? It is, but um, uh, it worked last time. So the last time we got relegated, Gary Jones got us back up straight away. And it, it, it definitely made a difference because I, I think we were fitter and stronger uh, and, and we had better players, quite honestly, uh, who were able to uh, you know, beat the, some of the smaller teams, those that were, were part-time, which was the vast majority of them. It, 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 it worked. Um, so last time we got back up, I think we had a, you know, wouldn't say easy the first part of the season until Gary came in, but he turned it around and transformed the club on the pitch. So we were 10 points clear in the end. So I, I'm guessing people thought that would work again. Uh, all, all the indications were that, you know, Gary was ambitious to get us back up again. Uh, he, we were a bit unlucky to get relegated. We had a, a good run towards the end of the season. Um, and it looked like he had, you know, a nucleus of the squad that could get us straight back up. Um, so it made sense, uh, and the fans backed the idea of you retaining a, um, a full-time squad. But it's all gone disaster, pretty much disastrously wrong in terms of on the field. Um, so it's not proved that having a full-time squad um, has, has been an advantage this time round, and I don't quite know why that's happened. But uh, uh, it's a shame. And Yeovil, of course, they're, they're also full-time, and you know they're running away with it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. 
In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. I've got one final question for you. I, I really, Palace have been through administration twice, and I remember the distress and the despair both times. And I, I'm of an age, you know, I grew up where Torquay United were always in the league. I used to love the yellow and blue striped shirts. This, you know, I've got a reason. I've got a reason to love and hate just about every team in English football, Robin. <laughs> so I really do feel for you, but. And I hate to ask this question, but is your instinct that the club will be saved or is your instinct that you know, this is a genuine, genuine problem moment? I was very worried when the announcement was made. I, I wondered just how much an attractive proposition Talking United would be, particularly with the loans set against the, the club, um, particularly where we were in the league. Um, but we've been encouraged um, by the level of interest. Uh, I think the club's been marketing itself quite well since the announcement. Uh, it's certainly been putting it out there using every possible contact. The local authorities being very supportive, as is our MP. Um, so uh, I'm reasonably confident um, that somebody will will come in. Obviously, we need a real football person this time. We don't want to go down the same road as we have with Club Osborne. Somebody that's really interested in the club aspirational, realistic at the same time, and uh, can move us forward and uh, learn the lessons of, uh, of, the, of the current ownership and where it's all gone wrong, really. And on, a, on an upbeat note, the lovely Charlie Baker of TalkSport, as an old mate of mine, is a, a talkie fan, and I, I really feel for him at the moment. If, if perhaps he wants to organise some kind of benefit, I'd only be too happy to appear. I'm sure we could get some that would be money. great. I'm That'd sure we could, great, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure we could get some money raised for the trust in that way. Robin, I, you know, our fingers are crossed for all of you down there. It's as, as I say, I wish we didn't have to have this conversation, and I hope that in a few weeks' time we can talk again with much better news. But in in the meantime, if there's anything we can do at the price of football, then just let us know, and we'll thank you. We'll, we'll do Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Thanks so Bye. much. Kieran was here, I'd be talking about the fact that Robin went through a full gamut of emotions during that chat and hopefully was more optimistic at the end than he was halfway through. And as I said, we send the best wishes of every football fan in the country. Um, well done to Weymouth for that brilliant gesture. Hopefully more clubs will do the same. And hopefully, as I said to Robin, we'll be back shortly to talk to Robin about some good news because a very dear mate of mine, Charlie Baker, is a Torquay fan. Um, as I said to Robin, I've got reasons to hate and love every single football club in the country. But when it comes to issues like this, uh, love is the only word you can use, isn't it? So fingers crossed to everybody at Torquay United. And thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that would be very kind of you, and it will get you access to our chat community and our regular quizzes. 
and it will get you access to some news that we have coming up in a week or two, which is quite exciting. And you can get all, all that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you'd like answered on our regular Monday questions pod, email us at questions at price of And if you'd like to buy our latest book, get us our latest book or get yourself a price of football t-shirt. You can find details on our website, priceoffootball.com. Bye, everyone. The Price of Football. I'm for the